Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by 917 Ventures. 917 Ventures is Globe's corporate venture builder that ideates, launches, and accelerates new businesses that have the potential to grow and scale fast as they seek to solve the pain points of consumers and businesses through digital solutions in the Philippines and beyond. Check out www.917ventures.com for more information. Also by... Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. No one asked you to be entrepreneur. No one, you know, forced you to do that. You choose it. We choose it. So you have to deal with the good side and sometimes the negative side. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Bethion. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. I'm so excited because we have one of the biggest OGs in the startup community in the Philippines today in our episode. This guy has literally mentored and inspired a lot of us, especially with the first wave. We call it the first wave. These are the boys that, you know, that are the, the, the startup founders that started around 2011, 2012. And by that time, Fred is already killing it in whatever he's doing. So again, before I get carried away, I want to welcome to the show the Chief Commercial Officer of Gcash, 
Mr. Fred Levy. Welcome Thanks, to the show. Ron. Thanks, Ron. Pleasure to pleasure to see you again. And I'm quite impressed. You know, I took a look of your uh, list of uh, of guests in the yeah. podcast, man. That. We're talking now. We're talking. You can you can call that a podcast, and I'm yes. happy to know that I'm still exciting you. Oh, Matt, you again. What excites me is experience and wisdom because that's what this podcast is all about: sharing to everybody the hustle and the pain and everything else in between that we had to go through. But before I get carried away and ask you all these questions that I've lined up, I have to ask you the million-dollar question, Fred. What's your hustle? I don't know if it's a hustle, but What's my grit? The game. Mm-hmm. The game. I think okay. if you want to be an entrepreneurship or at least having a, the mindset of an entrepreneur, somehow, somewhere, you need to like the game and you need to be a sore loser. Yes. That's one thing. So, you know, you read everywhere, failure is learning and learning is good and bring you, yeah, it's true. All of that is true. And, and, and when it's happening, you need to get the best of what you got. So if it's a failure, get the best of it and see how it can improve for your next attempt. But it's Correct. not because it's a good thing that you need to appreciate it. So for me, Correct. it's the game. And somehow you need to not like to lose. You need to run for the, the, the win. The interesting thing is when you grow up or when you meet over people, when you interact with over organization or whatever, your appetite for game can evolve. Meaning you will be sure. maybe interested by different form of game. Yes. New game, curiosity will bring you to new topic, new world, new adventure, which means somehow new game. But for me, Ron, it's the game. I love to play. I love to have the feeling that there is a lot of ingredients around you mm-hmm. and you have the ability to move all these pieces and win. I totally and, agree. Yeah, and sometimes it's not even winning run against others. Huh? It's mm. sometimes win just against yourself. Prove to yourself that with all these ingredients, you made it happen. Like before you, there was nothing. After mm-hmm. you, there is something. No, absolutely. I totally agree because again, uh, I've been in the game for a while now. So my yeah. first startup, when I first met you, was still Party File. You were one of our mentors in Kickstart. I was this total greenhorn. A lot of I didn't know a lot of what what I was doing. And you know, hindsight being twenty twenty now, what really gives me joy is the ability to be in control of what I want to pursue as an entrepreneur and, you know, live with the results, whether it's a win or a loss. But the, the joy really happens in that chase of whatever that vision would be. And I totally agree. But before I also get carried away, we need to go a little bit further because before you fell in love with the game, I'm pretty sure there were a lot of influences in how that started because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All the way to France to get this one out. Okay, so Fred, again, we're all the way back. I want to understand what was growing up like. Were you in a raised in an entrepreneurial family? How did your spirit for or love for the game develop as as well? Because I, I'm looking at it. I, I met you when you were already net net booster. So I'll just uh, do it. And you were one of the execs. I remember going to the office pitching guestless.ph. This is free cash cash. Wow. These French people are doing really well in, in, in NetBooster, right? See, I even call it NetBooster. It's not even called NetBooster anymore. <laughs> no, no, name changed. We sold right. it. Correct. But what before NetBooster, 
again, I want to go all the way back. What was growing up like? Was what was your early hustles that you did? Well, first, you know, I'm coming from from France, mm-hmm. and things have changed now. But at the time, the entrepreneur in France was not necessarily seen as a, as a modern hero or something like that. Like it it happened later on, end of the '90s, uh, early 2000s. Um, you know, I'm, I'm born in 1974. So in the 80s, the entrepreneur or some part of the population was still the the guy who is making money thanks to the work of the others, you know, something like wow, that. Okay. But my father is still actually a doctor, and okay. which means a freelance. When oh. you're a freelance, you're a little entrepreneur by yourself, in a way. Okay. You have, you know, client, OPEX, charge, uh, taxes, and all of that. So I always saw my, my dad handling his little business per se. Okay. Um, and I remember what I liked at this time run was the independency, meaning, you run your show, you run your boat. But I remember also what I didn't like okay. is the loneliness. And yes. when you are an entrepreneur, in some situation, you feel kind of, uh, well, you feel kind of alone with the, the burden, sometimes the choice to do it. It's not, it's not an easy role at the time. But as far as I can remember, that was my first experience of uh, entrepreneurship. It was my dad, you know, running his show, working the weekend, including the Sunday to make his administrative thing and all of that. So you're like, okay, there's cool side. There's also fucked up weekends. Okay, I get it. Correct. And, and I, I totally agree. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm pretty sure that was embedded in you early because despite the sad side of being alone until now, regardless of what stage you're, you're in, in in entrepreneurship, no matter how many times you've tried it in the game, there are going to be days where like, holy shit, I feel so alone. Who can understand me? And what pushed you through? After, after seeing that growing up, what was the career path that you took to really develop, you know, the next few, you know, expertise or the, the, the skills that you, you attained? Because you, you became director at La, La Bond. I don't know if, if I say, I'm saying that correctly. I'm trying to do my proper French uh, intonation. But walk us through that early stage of your career. So what happened is as soon as I had 18, I left my parents' place to live in Paris. Okay. And like I already opened company. The first thing oh. I've done is to open company. Wow. So I had two businesses at the time. I had a company who was organizing events. So we would make a podcast about that. I was coming wow. from, back from, uh, from US. Okay. And at the time, so I'm talking about a time where the millennial don't even know what it was, huh? just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, at the time in, in, uh, in US, particularly in New York, when you were going to a party, you were not going to a, a place. You were going to the party. The party could be in that club or that club or even sometimes a warehouse or whatever. You were following the party, Correct. not the club. Yeah. And in France, it was not like that. You were going to a club and the guy who organized the party was changing every day. I was right. like, wow, but if you are the one organizing, you're, you're basically leading the game because you're the one who have the crowd. The crowd moves with you. Correct. Correct. So I started organizing my event, creating my crowd and moving from place to place. Wow. And when you start to have an audience, you can start to monetize. So we start to work with a brand um, um, who wanted to advertise. We worked with a music record company who wanted to showcase their artists and, and all of that. Wow. So... I realized that I needed also to communicate. So I opened my own little agency of communication and I was doing all my own tool with a couple of designer or whatever. But uh-huh. in parallel of that, you know, my parents, they were like, 
study. So I was still studying law. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, when you're a when you're a Jewish son, uh, for your parents, if you're not lawyer, doctor, <laughs> or a banker, <laughs> or banker, you're nothing. You, you, there's no job, you know, except this free. End of the story. Wow. So it was a kind of bargain. And um, so I was running my little story, but, you know, what happened and changed everything is Canal Plus Mm -hmm. actually made me an offer. Wow. Uh, They proposed me because I was also doing stuff on the the side and they, I was known in the world, it was a small, like like everywhere, you know, small, small group. They proposed me, they were going to launch a music label and they proposed me to handle it. And uh, it was very funny, totally not expected. I was supposed to follow up on my studies and all of that. That proposition came out of nowhere. Okay. But, you know, so excited. I said, okay, let's let's do it. You know, I didn't think about it. There was no career plan. I just saw a cool opportunity, receiving money, doing what I like, being able to keep on having my company on the side. So I just jumped in and basically I stopped my... uh, my uh, my the graduation, so I have uh, okay. I was licentiate already in business affairs, so I wow. guess that was acceptable for my parents. <laughs> and that's how I started to to work. And that's true. And I always say this, right? You know, at your it's either you go the MBA route or you go the experience route. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no nothing. There's nothing wrong with either, right? You just have to choose a path, because you know, in in the experience route. I didn't know that you even threw parties because that was my that was my first startup, you know, the promoter. So I totally understand how at the end of the day, people don't go to venues. They they follow the experience. So whoever threw that party, it can be a totally night and day that the Friday night is totally different experience than a Saturday night because of who's promoting and who's bringing in the people, right? The DJs, everything else. So I understand that. And in 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 what you're doing. The, the MBA technically now is, is you already went against the grain of the Jewish upbringing and you're going <laughs> in here like, yo, I'm going to do my own thing. But what was the hard part? Because there's always a hard part. I also experienced this with my mom for, the, for a very long time because straight out of college, I did party file as well. And actually, this was my thesis. And she said, what the hell are you doing? When are you going to make money? For you, what were those early things that you had to battle? Well, to be fair, number one, I was already making money. I mean, the company nice. were profitable. It was generating revenue. And and, uh, and it was not, you know, it was already, especially at my age, it was not small. It was already working quite well. Okay. Then it's not that I run for a fly-by-night company. I went to Canal Plus. It, right. It's like, uh, for the listener, it's like HBO in Europe. It's, what? Uh, it's a, yeah, it's pretty big. They are... Uh, uh, they are owned by Vivendi. They are owning a lot. They are producing a lot of movies. I mean, it's, it's a it's a TV channel. It's it's very big. So wow. I was not going in an unknown world. Okay. And I think in the head, it's, my parents, it was also anyway. He's licentiate his business affair. He have his he have a form of graduation. Got it. Uh, so you know, because the truth also run is I was it, in France. The low flow, you have to be graduated. It's like medicine. You have to be graduated. Then after you have to make two years of internship mm-hmm. to have the right to act as a lawyer. Wow. So I started the internship, but after three days, I stopped it. <laughs> I went home and I said, okay, it's not for me. I just don't like that. I, 
in my head, you know, lawyer was like in the US TV show. I was going to right, right. Annalise Keating. Yeah, and it was not that. It was not suits. It was like fucking boring. So I don't want to do that. This is not the people I want to evolve. This is not the ecosystem I want to navigate in. So. Right. Honestly, that part was not super challenging. I had the blessing of my parents, which is probably the the best uh, yeah. advice they gave me ever. So um, it was not super hard. I think the, the hard part was just I was super young. Mm. And, you know, for example, we had every week the, the, the board of, of Canal Plus. Right. So all the, the boss of uh, each department, each um, venture was coming okay. to introduce their thing. So... Okay. I mean, the oldest guy, uh, I was the youngest guy. The, the youngest wow. after me was probably 15 years. And what? I didn't, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, everybody around me was 35 to 40 and I was 24, 23. Wow. And it was kind of complicated because I didn't know the code. Got it. I can explain, I can, you know, but business report analyzes, oh. uh, business case, proof of concept, whatever. I didn't have a clue on how this thing works. You know, it's yeah. very funny. The CEO, when he interviewed me, run to give you an idea, okay. he only talked about music. Wow. We only talked about music during one hour. And the guy is known in France, Pierre Lescure at the time. He has the biggest vinyl collection in the country. Wow. And the, the last question, man, was, you more Stones or Rolling or, uh, Stones or Beatles? <laughs> that's a tough question that was the last question of the, of the guy and that like, was you know, a tough at the question end, he gave me the job without even checking if I was you know something else than a music lover so mm-hmm. um, I think that that was the weakness part I was not ready from a business slash corporation angle I had yeah. to learn very quick uh, because suddenly you have to deal with CFO you have to, you have to ask for budget for money right, that right. was the tricky part how did you now those skills and who uh, what was the things you spent a lot of time with to acquire those skills that were missing because again passion and you know potential isn't just going to cut it and especially in a big corporation like that you have to adapt fast how did you acquire the skills that you need and walk us through how you then took that through Attitude Studio when you then became eventually a VP of strategy as well so what happened is when you are an entrepreneur, you learn to do with what you have. That's, uh, you take the best of what you have. So the chance that I have somewhere is my experience in enterprise. So I know more or less what was Excel. Because when you deal with brand, uh, oh. you have to, you know, and, and you want sponsorship or whatever, you need to craft something that makes sense. I honestly think the legal background helped me a lot. Because nice. I knew how to read a contract. I know how to structure, how to organize my thinking process. Okay. So that part was uh, was kind of helpful. And then, man, there was no internet at the time. You know, it, I'm talking about years where internet was still a... <laughs> you know. so, Dial up. Yeah. So you get some book and you read and you ask right. around and, and you you learn. So, yeah, I spent a lot of night and weekend to 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 get that part of the business. Okay. And actually it worked. It worked quite well. The, lab, the label uh, became specialized in uh, soundtrack. So I was wow. producing a lot of soundtrack. I produced for a lot of European movie soundtrack. And very interesting. A lot of adventure. I recorded uh, classical music in Egypt. Uh, wow. I recorded uh, metal, uh, <laughs> hard rock in, in, in uh, all the Polonia and, and, and Hungary. Wow. It was super interesting, honestly. And what happened then is the demon of entrepreneurship came back at me. Okay. And what did Um, the demon say? 
The demon showed me one day something called Kyokodate. So Kyokodate was a virtual star in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Japan, everything crazy used to come from Japan. I think it's still coming from Japan, the craziest possible thing. And they were able to build a personality that didn't exist. So the wow. girl had uh, music. She had a radio show, actually, like you. She had, uh, she had everything, but she didn't exist. And they were wow. making money with that. And I was so impressed, especially coming from the record music company, where you have to deal with artists, which is not the easiest thing in life sometimes. Correct, said, correct. Wow, that's perfect, that thing. So I started to check how could I build that stuff. And, mm. you know, very easy from the marketing angle, the business angle, you see the possibility. And quickly I realized that the biggest challenge was the tech, the tech mm. aspect. Because this girl was only on picture or a voice or whatever, that's easy. But how do you show her introducing a TV show? Or how do you show her dancing? Or like, how do you create her more palatable for the audience? Wow. And I I started to discuss here and there. Then I realized I even went to US. I I met uh, ELM, the company of George Lucas at the time. I wanted to see what was the technology to build this kind of character. And I realized actually no one knew. That was a time when you were uh, doing any VFX, everything was manually made by hand. And it was creating a crazy fortune. It was insane. But, and that's the funny thing, there was a French name who keep on coming. I mean, I went in three country okay. and in the free country, people talked to me about this guy. <laughs> he was home. <laughs> was Exactly. He was working on a technology adapted from the medical technology of okay. athletes when they are hurted. Like, wow. What? what is that stuff? And that was the, the motion capture. Full cap. Yep. Which is now quite, quite, quite known. But at the yeah, time. Yeah, it's called cap now, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, so at the time it was like, what? So I went back in France, mm-hmm. called the guy, reached them. It was the nerd, you know, living on his computer, not going <laughs> out of his place or whatever. Right. But he showed me something super impressive. Got it. So I realized, okay, you can create minutes at a cheap price. I mean, I told to the guy, you know what? I'll run the company, you roll the tech. That's One amazing. week after I left Canal, and two weeks after we opened the... The company and and uh, you know started to to grow it and um, we raised funds. The company became quite big. Uh, we raised funds from multiple VC. We had office in France, in Luxembourg, mm-hmm. and in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Uh, we actually produce a lot of uh, um, animation for TV show, uh, animation series, mm-hmm. video game. We even produce our own movie. Uh, who wow. received for those, for the listener who know, we received a special prize at ANSI. With like the, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called, um, uh, what was the name? In I forgot the name. My God, I'm so old. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the name. You can put it no, in the We'll comment. put it in the show notes. We'll put it in yeah, the show yeah, yeah. notes. We'll no, find it's the super name. super cool. It's, it's inspired right. by Sin City, man. Wow. And the American voice was Daniel Craig. I mean, it was Daniel cool. Craig, James Bond. There's not James no. Bond yet back then. Yeah. yeah, distributed right. by the uh, the Weinstein brother when they were still uh, wow. co-share. Uh, so definitely it, it was a great adventure, but that's really when the pivot made and I, I jumped full in entrepreneurship. Got it. Now, before we take our first break, you took the full-blown entrepreneurship route. 
And again, the demon of entrepreneurship, which are which all inherited are in the demon is well inside me now. <laughs> it will never go out. Maybe I am the demon. I, I don't even know. Because <laughs> I influence a lot of people here through this podcast to to go out to be become an entrepreneur, right? But last question. Through this process, right? What was the 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 most challenging part? Because you you told us about this thing. Again, you were young. But no matter how much we think we're ready, there's always something that's gonna, you know, take us in a blind spot, hit us like, oh God, I didn't see that coming. And how did you bounce back from that? You know, uh, Ron, I don't think it was hard. It's just you are realizing some stuff and interacting with some people at a young age, and you're not necessarily ready. You know, for example, I told you earlier. At Canal, I had to deal with uh, this kind of, of responsibility and, and I didn't know how to do that. Right. But Attitudes to You is the same. I was the co-founder and I had to deal with bank. I, one of the investors was Société Générale. So suddenly, board of director, VC, right. shareholder agreement, vote right. I mean, valuation, dilution, all of this thing, it, it's Chinese for you. And, and uh, <laughs> it's not because you have at your side some lawyer or business right. guy or specialist that you are fully armed and prepared for this kind of interaction. Mm-hmm. And the problem also, you know, man, at this time, you don't realize that it's a part of the business. Correct. For you, a the part of the part. business is found client, is uh, make sure that your best employees stay in the house, that uh, you have the best tech, that people know that you exist. You think that's the business. Correct. But you realize later on that, no, this is just one part of the business. There is all the other part, which is as much important, um, if not somehow more important in the case of startup, because startup is a sort of company. There is other type of company. Startup Correct. is just one type of company. Correct. Very often in startup, particularly when you go with VC, running after founding become part of your uh, objective. you permanently Absolutely. looking for founding because yeah. you are in a hyper growth mode. And yes. except if you're lucky, you need cash to sustain this hyper growth. So exactly. uh, that for me Ron, was the complicated part, realizing that on the spot, realizing that all of this part is actually part of the job. Right. And I didn't know how to, how to deal with that. I probably made mistakes mm-hmm. um, at the time. Didn't know how to manage the, the dynamics uh, right. uh, with this kind of partner. So uh, that was really the, the, the hard parts. And, you know, you learn later on that, Correct. okay, when you set up this kind of company, you can yeah. bootstrap, there's pro and cons. You can get VC and founding. There is also pro and cons. Correct. None is better than the other. It's just exactly. two different type of road, type of path. And Correct. you just need to be pragmatic and know what you are getting into. Exactly. And again, play your best cards uh, because, again, it's not a... It's not a end-all, be-all. Like, for example, you choose a funding route, then yeah, you have to be prepared and put your company in best position to be final, to chase for that growth, that hyper-growth, the J-curve, whatever they want to call it. If you're going to go after the revenue route, then you want to make sure that, you know, there is a sustainable pipeline for you to keep bootstrapping. Now, unfortunately... No, also, mm-hmm. Sorry, just, just one thing also, Ron. Um, when you bootstrap, it's your house. You Correct. want to change the color Control. of the wall, you do it, no problem. Yeah. When you have VC, yeah, you have maybe a bigger house, but someone will tell you, why pink? Uh, because I like pink. No, explain me why pink is the right exactly. color for the wall. 
And you cannot say, no way, man, I do pink because I do pink. No, it's not working that way. You need to be ready to justify pink. So yeah. that's also the kind of thing. And, and you need to know that's coming. That's exactly what, what I, I, again, I'll put this in the show notes. You can read this on, on hustleshare.com. It's called The Founder's Dilemma. That you, you, there's two paths. You, have, you choose to be rich or you choose to be king. If you want to choose to be rich, you have to address to a board because your control is less, but you'll have a lot of resources. If you want to be king, yes, you can be shot caller, not even have anybody try to mess with your decision-making process, but resources might be hard to come by. And, and we've experienced, Ron, that's the thing. We've experienced little by little, you realize that there is a line where you can actually sometimes be both. be both. Correct. Absolutely. But only experience can teach you that. Yeah. So when we come back, we'll be talking about, you know, the next things that Fred has taken into his entrepreneurial life. But well, let's talk about that more after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Fred Levy, again, of Gcash, uh, CCO of Gcash. And now we'll be talking about what it was like. What led you to the Philippines, Fred? Because now, again, you talked about the, how being, what, what's the path between being rich and king and how you can be both. But how, how did you get into the Philippines and what was it like? Where Did that demon still exist in you of entrepreneurship when you got here or did you uh, go to a different path? Well, I would say that uh, two things bring me uh, in the Philippines. Number one, at that time, I just sold the company. Wow. Um, so I had some, uh, some funds. 
you know, so it's like, oh, why not? I mean, interesting to try something else. And the second thing is love. There you go. My wife was, uh, I mean, she's still a Filipina and uh, we were living in France. Okay. And at the time, you know, the, the cold temperature, the uh, legendary uh, friendliness of the French. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, so, you know, she, she was not as happy as, and we were looking maybe for a, an opportunity to go back in Asia. To be totally transparent, at first we thought about Singapore. Okay. We tried and didn't like, didn't like actually the the people. It was like Paris in a way, you know, Got no it. one smile, no one is very friendly. <laughs> and and uh, um, besides from a business perspective, I was not super fan of the fact that the local market is, is close to nowhere. So when you build something, you really have to be immediately regional. And the thing Got is, it. Southeast Asia is not like Europe. In Europe, there is a lot of common disposition uh, among all the countries. Plus, there is the no border policy and all of that. So, right. you know, whatever you are building, you just have to translate it. And that's finger in the nose. Um, in Asia, it's different. I mean, a Filipino and a Korean, uh, a, a Vietnamese or an Indonesian, it, it's super complicated. It's day and night. It's much right. more complicated to be. Uh, they look the same, but their culture is totally different. Oh my God, you're the one who said they look the same. Yes, I that's didn't fine. Say it. It's all good. <laughs> I'm, that's coming from an Asian, so it's all good. I, I so, get away with that. <laughs> I don't want a hashtag to kill me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was just the thing. So, um, I was not super excited. And I, I used to go in the Philippines quite often because of my wife. Okay. I knew the potential of the country, I knew the, the people. And, and I mean, not all foreigners will say that, but. If you know how to how to adapt yourself, how you can work and build great team with uh, with, with the Filipinos, so okay. we said, okay, you know what? Let's try Philippines. Definitely, you will be happier, and and I think it's it's a road I can take. That's how we ended in the Philippines, actually. Got it. And why NetBooster? Why why the digital agency? What, what what's what's in it? Because that's also a very cutthroat environment with your competitors. There's old Jilvis. There's all these guys who's been there forever. How did you carve out a path so, and eventually led that to an exit? So it's a very funny uh, story. So you remember I told you when I uh, left my parents, I immediately opened some businesses. And one of the business was an agency. Mm. So that agency mm. grow, 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 and became actually quite big. And mm. that's the business I sold before leaving France, actually. Nice. And uh, we were the first digital agency in France, meaning... Wow. I'm talking again about a time the millennial don't even know what it is, but <laughs> there was no agency specialized in digital at the time. There was agency who was doing everything. That's Got it. it. Yeah. And, you know, you would not ask your uh, baker to give you meat. You go to the butcher for meat, right? So right. why would you ask a PR agency to do your digital strategy? It requires right. a certain type of expertise, of knowledge and all of that. So... We successfully built that with a, a couple of partners in France. We sold it pretty well. Uh-huh. And when I arrived in the Philippines, so I had some funds and I started to produce actually a TV show. I produced TV show. I produced wow. uh, animation series. Wow. And yeah, and I met through LinkedIn, actually. I met two French guys through LinkedIn who had a, mm-hmm. a design agency. So Sebastian okay. and Laurent. God. And actually, they, we became quite good friends. They offered me, I was looking for office, okay. and they offered me free office in exchange of free advices mm-hmm. about an agency and all of that. So I said, sure, great. And so that's how the, the story started. Then one day, 
Sebastian came back because he met uh, Netbooster. So at the time, Netbooster was a very big agency in Europe, present in 15 countries, mm -hmm. listed in the stock market. It was quite big. And they were looking for a way in in Asia. And they were asking to Sebastian and Laurent if that's something they would be interested in. The thing is, Seb told me, you know, it's, it sounds nice, but I don't have a clue on how to do that. I don't know how to negotiate this kind of deal. I don't even know what it is to be an agency. What we do us is design. Mm. Agency is a different stuff and whatever. So we sit down. I say, okay, I'll, I'll help you on that one. So together, we negotiated with NetBooster and all of that. Mm -hmm. And we opened it. We opened nice. the NetBooster that you, 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 you know. And, you know, the thing struck me because we opened it. And at the time, I was still only an advisor. So it was like 10 guys in an office, basically. Right. And I remember the phone was ringing. And you see the guy coming. Hey, a guy, there is coke on the phone. There is coke on the phone? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do they want? Um, I don't know. They want us to, to go because they need us to do a, a site for them or something. Say, wait, wait. Wow. Coke is calling you to do a site for them. Say, yeah. You know that in... in in normal countries, that thing, it takes you years just to be listed as a supplier. Correct. And after, it takes you years to be part of the agency who have a chance to pitch for the competition. Exactly. And how did they find you? Oh, they found our website on the internet. So this guy found you, they call you, and they want to give you some job right now. That's yeah. amazing. So I said to the guy, you know what? I think there is something there. I explained to them what we've done in, in, in France with uh, the agency how we were able to sell it and whatever. Uh -huh. Everybody say, let's do it. That's how I, I entered in NetBooster and the three of us decided to transform the NetBooster like a design agency as a NetBooster digital agency. And going back to what you were asking, Ron, we never felt the competition. Yeah. Because we were the first ones specialized in that. Everybody was copying and chasing after what you were trying to do already. Yeah, and that's probably also one of the few times where uh, being a foreigner, coming from a more mature market, so in a way, have already expertise on how things work, become an asset, become an advantage. Because the brand, they were looking for that expertise that didn't exist at the time. And that's also why you, you, you say nicely at the end, uh, sorry, at the start, you kindly said that I mentor a lot of people. Well... It's true, but not necessarily because it was like my appetite of monitoring the world. It's because uh, Seb, Laurent, and myself, we didn't have the choice. When right. we were looking for something, the, 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 the skill didn't exist. So they so gravitate towards you. Yeah, we, we hired people who, okay, he seems to be smart in mathematics. So we're going to train him to performance, digital, uh, you Got know, uh, uh, and all of that. So we train people because the, the skills didn't exist at the time. Right. So that's exactly. how we were able to, to grow the business. And then you know the story after NetBooster grew very quick. In a couple of, what, two years, we became more than 200 people wow. in three countries. Um, Globe was the client who changed everything. Yep. Because until then, we had pieces here and there. And Globe gave us all their digital communication. Everything that's was amazing. passing through us. Uh, we didn't sleep during six months, literally. Wow. Uh, but... It was a game changer for us. We had a couple of uh, over big accounts that trigger thanks to Globe, like L'Oreal, uh, Del Monte. I mean, I forgot it. Mm -hmm. But what happened is at some point we realized that if we were, we were reaching a ceiling, you know, because most of the over budget 
including the international one, was dealing with international agencies like the one you named earlier. So there was no road for us to grow. We reached a ceiling. That's when we decided to sell the company. And we were lucky. We were the only one available on the market. Right. uh, So it was an easy deal to do. So, yeah. Well, let's say that we had the choice of... uh, of the exits and uh, Got it. Yeah. you take that because you already capped out at the ceiling. If you, you said now I wanted to ask you about one thing that you really became very famous for. So I'll come clean. I was part of the competition when you launched cash, cash, Pinoy. I was actually an ex group on salesman uh, back then. And a lot of former guests here. Thank you a lot for who are now entrepreneurs like Abby Victorino, Mendoza uh, of, of Style Genie, uh, Grocer Genie, who are former Cash Cash Pinoy employees who said that Fred was the, one of the best things that happened in their life. Walk us through Cash Cash Pinoy and how intense the group buying frenzy was starting around 2010 to around 2015. So what happened is at some point, NetBooster was a big machine. You know, we had 200 guys we could literally manage something from A to Z, from strat to production, to media buying, to, I mean, name it, we had it. Yeah. So we were saying, you know, there is an opportunity here. And we were also seeing the market run. We were seeing the trend growing. So at some point we say, you know what, at some point people, they are going to try to do something else online than just sending message and read news on Yahoo and and things like that. So there is a road for us there. Let's launch our own venture. And we decided to launch uh, Cash Pinoy because at the time, you know, it was e-commerce. Mm-hmm. E-commerce is interesting because that's a model who generate revenue very quick. Mm-hmm. And the Groupon model at the time was very simple. Yeah. No buy. stock, no logistic, uh, simple product. You click, you buy, done. So Correct. we said there's an opportunity there. And we launched it. We decided to, to clone that thing. The funny part is we launched it and... I don't remember exactly, but six months after, right. I remember the, the, I had the figure somewhere, but now I forgot. But I know it was more than 40. Six wow. months after, there was 40 clones of what we were doing. Yes, they were, they were everywhere. <laughs> it was insane. Everybody yeah. was copying us. Uh, and, and, you know, they were copying everything because one of the challenges at Cash Cash is you realize very quick that the Groupon model is not adapted to the Philippines for multiple reasons. And, and, and yeah. uh, that's, that's not the, it will take an hour to discuss about it, but Correct. we had to tweak it in a lot of different aspects. Yep. And each time we were making a tweak, the competition was making the same tweak. Exactly. So it was, uh, we realized that at some point there was a problem because our margin was also collapsing little by little. So Correct. in six months, we had to move from Groupon model to basically real e-commerce. Like, okay, we have to create more barrier at the entrance. There is no other option. We have to make it more complex so people will not be able to copy as is. The only way to make it more complex, you start to sell items. And that's where the deal moved from service to e-commerce products. Yeah. And when you put your nose in products, uh, the guy who are listening now and who are into e-commerce know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You jump in the new jungle. It's, uh, 
you know, you were just in forest before and it's fun. The forest is easy. It smells yeah. good. It's nice. <laughs> There's no weird animals. Uh, then you jump to the real jungle, the Amazonian jungle. Oh and my God. There's piranhas and all these jets. There's logistic. Yeah. There is uh, quality control. There is yeah. return. I mean, it's, my God, it's a lot of different challenge to deal with. Got and it. at the time also run, Mm. We faced a lot of situation because we were solving problems that no one had solved before. Right. I mean, now logistics, for example, is equipped for e-commerce. They know how to operate. At the time, they didn't. We mm. had so many problems. At some point, I remember, I will not name the company we were dealing with, but mm -hmm. it was so messy that we said to the guy, you know what? You will not handle it. The only thing we want from you is the guy on the motorbike. We will handle the logistics. Yeah. Okay. Not you, because it's not working. So we were like literally handling the logistic. Today you just call a Ninja Van and LDC or whatever, and they will right, handle right, it for right. you. No, we were the one assigning the, the the road, the daily road for each rider at the wow. time. So it was really complicated, but it worked because it was very complicated to replicate. So right. only a couple of guys were able to move from this uh, voucher business. Mm -hmm to an e-commerce uh, business. And um, mm -hmm. it was, how did you say, the frenzy? It was kind of insane, Correct. honestly. It, it was, it was. And it, and it was so cutthroat and it was so fast-paced. But a lot of former, you know, ex-group ex buying deal uh, people are now, again, leaders in their own right. But here's what I'm curious, because eventually this, this, this whole hype died. Because again, that transition from group buying all the way to e-commerce there was a rough stretch because all the infrastructure that you see now, logistics, it's all specialized because of what happened five, six, seven years back. And you were very early in the game, right? And not, all, not everybody makes it through. What happened to Cash Cash? And walk us through uh, after Cash Cash, how did Gcash happen for you? So the thing is, at some point, we were growing very fast. We needed cash. So we raised funds. And again, we were one of the first, if not the first, uh, Filipino startup to raise funds. And at Correct. the time, forget the, the idea to get found from Philippines. No yeah. one was willing Nobody to Nobody was checks. No, they didn't want, they didn't know, they didn't understand. And, and when we were talking about valuation, they were looking at you like, what? This amount of money for only that volume of share? Are you crazy? Correct. So we had to look for funds outside of the Philippines. Okay. which is what happened. We raised like, I don't know, like uh, maybe six to eight million dollars wow. uh, through two or three different uh, founding, rounds. Uh, yeah. Yeah, founding rounds. And the thing is, because we were going outside of the Philippines, we had first to sell the country before selling cash cash. Oh, wow. That was kind of uh, the challenge because we needed to convince them that there was potential, the market was growing and, and all of that before even have an opportunity to discuss about Founding Cash Cash. Yeah. So finally, we were able to, to get money. And we even brought the company to profitability at some point. Right? Wow. So we were winning money. So for us, we, we, we thought, and that was our mistake. We thought the game was, was done. And I think my number one mistake there, because I was the, the, the CEO at the time, is instead of saying, okay, now we're going to double down. We're going to raise two times more money. We're going to be much more aggressive and all of that. 
I moved somehow, even without realizing it, from a startup mindset to a company mindset. And it was too early to do that. Because what happened is over player around came, particularly yeah. Lazada, they arrived. Right. But at the time, Lazada was also an e-commerce player. And we were like literally fighting against them on a day-to-day basis, despite yeah. they were much more than us. We were literally fighting for the number one position with mm. Metro Deal also. That was the, 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 the war right, at the right. time. But a big shift happened. Lazada one day was, you know, they were bleeding cash. It was a catastrophe. So they decided to shift their model. Yeah. They moved from a retailer, an e-retailer, where basically you buy something and exactly you sell something, to marketplace. So the commission in a nutshell moved from, I don't know, 20% to 3%, 4%. And then they moved to 0%, if you remember. There was yeah. a time you were not paying anything. Well, it's very hard when you are fighting against someone who is not here to make money. Right. It market became share. a market share strategy. And that's where your cash become critical. And we were not ready. This guy were raising 50, 100 million dollars right. almost every, every three months or four months. And we were not structured or organized to raise funds as fast as. Then it became very complicated because all merchants start to also propose their goods to, to Lazada. And that was very challenging to explain, no, stay with me at X percent. Right. The guy is giving it to me for free, man. I like you, but you know. And then Lazada realized also that this is a market promotion driven. Correct. So from a marketplace, they become a promotion marketplace. It's still the Correct. case now. You see, yeah. mar- you see promotion every day, all the time. Yep. And that's where the problem started with us, for us. It, it was... Very complicated. We tried to raise funds again. We raised actually, but the amount was was too small. Yeah. Uh, then we also try at some point to partner with local conglomerates, mm-hmm. and it become also challenging to, mm-hmm. to close a deal between local organization who have a certain thinking process mm-hmm. and uh, VC from Europe who don't understand the way we are doing things here. It was also a kind of, of culture shock. And I mean, that's, that's it. At some point it, it, you know, it became the white right flag eventually. Kind of, kind of. And, uh, it was tough because it cost me a lot of money. At some point I invested my, uh, my own money wow. in, in cash cash and I practically lost everything. All the yeah. money that I've made in the past venture, the, the sale, including the sale of NetBooster, I lost everything there. Friend, so, I, I, I can understand the pain because I also lost everything. Though not, not at this scale because you were top of your game. And one thing that struck out with me the most is that you mentioned at the start of the episode that you had to be a sore loser. Walk us through that pain because till now, whenever I just remember what happened to Party File, I lost everything. The pain's still there. It never goes away, to be honest. I mean, I'm in a better place now, but shoot. It sticks with you. Walk us through that. And you, you've experienced success after success. And then that happened. How do you even well, bounce back? Honestly, the, the, the pain run was one night. Wow. Meaning I left Cash Cash one day. I resigned. I left the company because it was going nowhere. It was, you know, it was the end of the, the world. But until you're still there, you still think there is a chance. You still have strategy. You still, you know. Correct. But the day you're out, you realize it's done. I'm out. It's over. Mm. And that is super hard. It's super hard. Honestly, you spend one night to cry all the tears of your body. There's right. no other way. I, I remember. It, it goes out. And, and uh, that's super hard. 
So I would say that the pain itself, it was really big one night. But the day after, you don't have the choice. Right. No one asked you to be entrepreneur. No one, you know, forced you to do that. You choose it. We choose it. So you have to deal with the good side and sometimes the negative side. Beside, there is other parameter that you have to control. I have a family. I have five kids. Yeah. And it's okay to play the game of the entrepreneurship, but you need to make sure that you put bread on the butter and, and, and milk in the day day at some point. Absolutely. And yeah, that means you cried. It's okay. Now it's Monday. What are you going to do? Because you cannot stay on below the blanket and, you know, uh, wait uh, for things to pass. Correct. So I had to find a job. God, wow. I had to find a job immediately. Like uh, one week after I was working immediately. Wow. So at first I worked as a, um, I, the chance that I had is because of cash cash and the fact that it was a very small ecosystem at the time, I was mm. pretty known as a yeah. digital guy, guy who knew how to run this kind of business and all of that. I had a good network. Mm -hmm. So just a couple of weeks after uh, June C and, and I really thank him for that proposed me the chief digital officer of Tao corporation, which is wow. a, a big conglomerate. So right. went there, um, worked with him like maybe almost a year, um, yep. six months, nine months or almost yep. a year. Then after Anton Wong of SSI, Mm -hmm. Also asked me if uh, I could give them uh, some recommendation on, on, on how to digitalize SSI, yeah. Rostan and all of that. So mm -hmm. worked with them a couple of months or so and, and, and give some recommendation. Then um, my friend, Brian, Brian Koo, is yep. one of my, my best friends in, in, in the Philippines, approached me and told me that they were developing now all the business two wheels. Everything mm -hmm. at, at Grab will happen on the two wheels business. And that's where I saw an opportunity to come back in a way, in an entrepreneur road. Because again, I was not ready to go back to entrepreneur. I didn't even have the, 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 the financial capacity to consider it. Yeah. And he came with a, a very nice proposal. You would get share stock option of the, wow. of the process. I would run my own show by myself and, uh, so, and, you know, you are back to where the action is at the time. I mean, it's still the case, of course, but at the time it was Uber against Grab. I mean, that's where the action was all over Europe. Correct. And all over, sorry, all over Asia. It was kind of massive. Yep. So I jumped in the boat and, uh, you know, there was a lot of Grab, the, the Grab Express, Grab Assistant, Grab Food, and Grab everything. <laughs> and it was super exciting. I, I felt the, the startup energy, the entrepreneurship uh -huh. mindset again. So I, I really liked it. Then the war was over. Okay. Grab one. Nice. Congratulations. Out. Yeah, it, 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 it's like one year. I stayed there one year. And um, then I met uh, the former CEO of uh, Gcash, Anthony Thomas, and okay. uh, the people of uh, Ali, of Alipay. Okay. Uh, they approached me, had a night to discuss. It was very interesting, their vision. Then uh -huh. I discovered Alipay and everything. I mean, it, it was like, wow, it's crazy. It's amazing. And I, when I saw that, it was made in my mind that fintech was the next, uh, the next field. That's where things will happen soon. So they made me a very good offer, which is basically uh, we, need, we need now at some point to inject in the organization more startup mindset, Got it. more business aggressivity. That's what we want. So 
said, okay, then I jump in. And, and without really at the time knowing what I was going to do there, the, the job description was kind of blurish. Uh, but I liked the atmosphere. I liked the people. And most of it, I, I felt that this was going to, to be a big thing. Plus, how can you not be attracted by the, the vision? I mean, you're going to make a real difference. You're going to have a real impact everywhere, and particularly in, in countries like Philippines. And that's how I, I jump in, uh, in Gcash. Wow. Now, okay, uh, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk about Gcash and how you now became one of the most vital cogs in growing Gcash to where it is now. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. 
not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We're still with Brad Levy, who now will tell us what it was like running Gcash after that such an amazing episode of, of our segment of how it was like winning, losing, and bouncing back again. So, Fred, you're, you're now in Gcash. And one thing I remember about Ernest, Ernest Koo, having him uh, one, of, one of my top episodes here just a few months back, he said that Gcash is a perfect example of a startup that was ahead of its time but had to survive for it to hit a re- inflection point, for it to scale. Because it was kind of dead in the water at the start, you know, just like people was using it, but not the same way people use it now. And then boom, this whole thing happened and Gcash is, is crazy at, as we speak. But walk us through those things. What, when you came in and Alipay was there, you know, the Ali, uh Funding also in the collaboration was there. Walk us through how crazy it got and how, what was the things that led you to such growth in Gcash? Well, first thing, you named Ernest and, and uh, you're totally right. I mean, definitely kudos to Ernest on that one because Gcash is like, a, I don't know, like 15 years story. Gcash is an old company in a way. Yeah. So, of course, it's like a Picasso. There was several periods in Gcash uh, the last one uh, started probably four years ago. Yep. Uh, when uh, when Aunt uh, jumped in the in the ship and and, and Globe uh, decided to reinvest and 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 put even more effort than they used to do. But that's really earnest on that one. He never let it go. He, his point was really that thing is a good thing, and if it's a good thing, it will work at some point. Yeah. So exactly what you said, it was ahead of its time at some point, but the service that it provides, the difference that it can make, for sure, at some point, people will realize it and it will boom. So that's the thing. When I arrived at the time, I would say that the company was already, the structure of the company, in a way, was already how it is today. Because as you mentioned, Aunt was already there. Mm-hmm. The board was already structured. It was already a kind of big machine because it's like mm-hmm. seven to 800 people. So there was, again, some shine and some activity around Gcash. So it was already there. Right. So I would say that the fundamentals were already there. Okay. Probably, that's my personal interpretation. What was lacking at some point is finding the right balance between 
corporate organization in a way, because when you are uh, 800 guys, whatever, you cannot right. call yourself a startup per se. <laughs> but in the meantime, keep on playing with the startup playbook because you don't have the choice. You still need to. It's a market who moves so quick, so fast. Competition mm-hmm. comes all the time. Regulation change so quick. I mean, you still need to be agile and, and, and work as a startup on a lot of aspects. Mm-hmm. It's also the balance, founding the right balance between the Filipino culture mm-hmm. and the Ali culture, which is a, a different one. So yeah. I would say, how do you inject more aggressivity in the business? How do you start to think about Gcash as hyper growth? Uh, that's probably, I think, what was the challenge at the time. And, and, uh, and changing, moving the company without ruining the good things that exist. That was the, the, the challenge. And uh, for me, the inflection points really happen when suddenly everything came to light. All the, the, the green light was there. All the moving pieces adapt itself. I mean, suddenly, BSP is super helpful. Mm. I mean, I can compare with my previous experience. BSP is really playing his innovative role at the top of his game. I mean, uh, I, I can see we are, we are literally dealing daily with them. And when we need uh, some regulation to be adapted, and doesn't mean that we are going to increase the risk or whatever. It's not even that. It's just sometimes they are just not adapted to digital. I mean, we can open the conversation. They can come to us. They suggest, they propose. And at some point, they make the thing happen. It's really easy to deal with them. And I think that was one of the good things. The infrastructure was mm-hmm. there. The infrastructure yeah. was there. That goes up to the penetration of the of the smartphone, uh, yeah. cheap smartphone, uh, the SKU from Telco also mm-hmm. at, a, at a very low rate, you know, that start to, to pop up. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, the partnership with Globe started to take his, his, his it was starting to burgeoning. Yeah. Uh, and I think with the new CEO, Marta Saison, it really took his full blast. And Absolutely. you can really see now the, the, I mean, now you can really see the advantage of having Globe as a powers tool, the, the muscle, the strength right. of the globe and how it, it injects you a boost of, of, of everything in the organization. Besides also all the education effort, you know, you, you work since a long time, you evangelize right. and suddenly some point boom. it starts to boom, it starts to happen. Right. And then the quarantine happened. Uh, so the quarantine is not what trigger everything. It was already there. The figure were already ramping. You can see that, yeah. the usage, the, all of that. But I think the quarantine probably give an additional boost everywhere. Yeah. Suddenly, a lot of people had to go through that road. Suddenly, right. um, everybody doubled down, including the, the government. You know, one right. of the things which amazed me, uh, we had this social amelioration program that the government decided to disburse during the pandemic. Uh, for the cash. yeah for the poorest population, and they didn't decide to disburse this money through pound shop. Mm-hmm. They didn't even decide to disburse this money through bank or whatsoever. They came to wallet. Gcash was the number one disbursement channel. We disbursed sixteen billion pesos to two million family of wow. Filipino, and the fact that they agreed, they pushed actually for that direction says a lot. Says a lot. 
And the fact also that the population answered to that, meaning they had to download their Gcash app to have access to the fund. And they did it. And now they keep on using the, the system, the platform. Mm. You can see like, okay, all the moving pieces are now fully aligned. It's there. Yeah. And all the lights are, are green. Right. I think that's really what triggers everything. And you're right. Nowadays, uh, we are really on the... On a big spot, I honestly believe that uh, Marta Saison, when the, the CEO happened, the new CEO happened, um, there was an additional push in terms of business aggressivity and on customer wow. obsession. How can we more and more adapt our product or offer or proposition to the customer expectations? Got and it. that also happened exactly at the right moment. And all of that without sacrificing the vision, which is financial inclusion. Because if you lose that, you lose your DNA. That is amazing. Now, I want to ask as well in that DNA that also you talked about, because Globe is is very, very particular about that DNA. And now they're al- allowing more, I mean, the outside world to have at least a chance to be part of that DNA through 917 Ventures. Yeah. And, you know, Gcash is one example of you know, if you're not unicorn, I don't know the valuation of Gcash, but you're pretty freaking close for sure. We are, right? we are, we, we are. are. All right. So the first unicorn is, is here and that won't happen without that DNA. And that DNA is now going to be opened up through 917 Ventures. But can you describe the DNA also of the culture that Globe has towards the startup execution, but again, at a massive scale? What happens in there? Well, I never worked at Globe per se, Ron, so I can only testify of what I'm uh, what I'm witnessing. Right. But from my interaction is mm, the people I'm dealing with, they have the entrepreneurship mindset, mm. meaning they always look for the solution. They, it's not like, for example, I never heard a guy at Globe never right. told me, "Oh no, no, this is not me." That. Wow. I never heard that. He's not going to tell me. I don't know. It's not me that the answer I'm going to get is like, okay, let me check that for you. Nice. So I think that's one example, but it says a lot about the overall spirit in the, in the organization. And same thing goes for, uh, for 917. You know, the fact that Globe was able to pull out from this gigantic corporation machine, uh, an entity like 917, uh, give them a significant budget to operate and, and you know, Correct. keep on pushing that. I think it says a lot about the, the, the overall spirit who is happening inside the, the group. I mean, I can see from Gcash, we are interacting every day with, uh, with 917. And uh, whether we deal directly with Globe on some project, whether mm-hmm. sometimes we, we team with, uh, with Vince Yamat and his, his, uh, his folks to, to build something together, it's right. really like a buffet and you have a lot of opportunity to deal with. You just have to know how to take advantage of it. Right. But I can definitely see the, the plus it represents to have this thing around us. Yeah. I'm not sure that setup, because it's one thing to have a setup on paper, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you will have the muscle of the globe machine and you will have the agility of 917 and you can, we can help you to do things. On paper, it looks nice, right? But I'm right. not sure this kind of setup would work in any organization. Because no. at some point, you need to go beyond the paper. It right. needs to happen in real life, right? And to have that, to do that, you need the correct spirit, the correct mindset all over the people you are dealing with. 
And as I told you earlier, Ron, I never worked at Globe, but this is the spirit I'm I'm reaching. This is the spirit I'm feeling. I'm getting. This is the feedback I'm I'm getting Get it. every day when I'm interacting with these people. That's amazing. And again, you can't also try to pass it on if you haven't done it yourself. And Gcash is the best example of how that culture or that spirit works. Now, I have to ask you several questions before I let you go. But Fred, again, you had such an amazing process and also um, journey as an entrepreneur, highs and lows. But I, I also think that a lot of former founders who had experienced a failure in their startups, one example of that, is better suited to actually succeed more in their next try. For those founders who have, you know, messed up, lost everything like we did, and wanted to try another time, but but are probably scared and don't want to go through the same pain because the demon is knocking into their, their, their doors again. The entrepreneurship demon is still there. What would be your advice for those founders who went through the same thing that we did? Well, the first thing after a failure is, uh, for me at least, is think. Think, I mean, it sounds basic, right? But so many guys, so many people don't necessarily do that. You know, they just suddenly opened their freezer. They had another idea in the freezer and like, okay, I'm going to run with that idea. Guys, there's no rush. You are the master of time. So first, think, step back, learn, ask yourself where you make mistakes. Right. If you don't know, ask people around you, people that you think their judgment is valid and, and they probably know you. Where do they think that you, you, you screwed up? My assumption is everybody who try can do it. Correct. Not necessarily for everyone, but if you have that in you and you have a good idea, I don't see why you would fail at some point if you do things correctly. Mm-hmm. It's like you follow the roadmap. I mean, yeah, there is always moving pieces here and there. It's, it's the general rule. There's always exception, but I don't see why you would fail at some point if all your fundamental, including your economics, make sense. Correct. So the question I would ask myself is like, when I launch this story, when I run into this adventure, did I build around myself the right environment, the environment who works for me? Because yeah. what works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else. It's like when you talk about management style, you know, oh, how do you manage people? Right. That depends a lot of who you are. I know that my way works for me because it fits with my personality. It's like, you know, uh, improvisation in jazz music. Correct. Not everybody improvises the same way and the improvisation needs to fit with who you are, with your personality, because that's where you are authentic. And yeah. when you are authentic, when you are in the truth, people around you, including your team, feel it. And that's how you can rally all the energy because they feel that what you're telling them, you believe in it and it makes sense to everyone. So it's really the, the thing I would advise to, to the, the entrepreneur who fail. Ask yourself is what you set up was the correct ecosystem, the correct environment yes. for you. What is good for Elon Musk is not necessarily good for Mark Zuckerberg. It's not correct. necessarily good for Bill Gates, for Warren Buffett, or for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the name that I give is all a famous entrepreneurs who obviously have different ways to, to, to do things, right? So that's the thing. Make sure that it's consistent from A to Z. Your personality, the team around you, the way you want to do things, the products and the adventure you're going to jump in 
I mean, you know, if you're not passionate by that, don't do that. If you don't like flour, don't sell and don't don't launch an e-commerce based on flour, <laughs> man. Yeah. Something else. I totally agree. And that's what, what it takes because a lot of that wisdom, not just an experience on what not to do and what to do, it's who you do it with. That you'll now be able to weed out, okay, this gives me the best chance for success. Next question. I believe, and I've been really been obsessed personally as a founder here, that a lot of what, what prevents or what prevents failure and what's lacking in a lot of startup entrepreneurs is management skills, right? You know, how to properly communicate a team, how to build, again, that ecosystem that lets you thrive around you. You know, getting feedback mechanisms, not being despotic in the way you make decisions. But Fred, I want to ask your your management process that you want to share with, with entrepreneurs that are listening to this in, in, in making sure that they provide the best environment for them to thrive. What, what's, your, what's your tips about that? Well, first thing is management depends a lot on where you are. Okay. Meaning you don't manage people in Philippines the same way you manage people in US, the same way you manage people in Japan. So that's one thing. In my personal case, Ron, the way I was already doing things in, in Europe actually fits perfectly in Philippines. Nice. I, I know for a fact that a lot of foreigners don't necessarily share the, the same experience. So right. uh, in my case, honestly, I, I was lucky so I can share my experience and, and the way I do things. Uh, but the number one thing for me is don't compromise on the people you're getting. Don't compromise. Get the best guy you can. And even if they are not necessarily the right guy for the position, if they are the best trainable guy, that's okay. So yes. get the best guy you can, adapt it for the position in terms of spirit, of mindset. People, you can spend 15 hours per day or whatever. You need to make sure that that thing, that condition number one is fulfilled. Why? Because if you don't have that, you cannot do the rest. The rest for me is total transparency with your team. I act as an orchestra chief, meaning they are all musicians and what they are doing, they are very good. The violin guy, the first violin is a very good first violin. Uh, the, The flute guy is the best flute guy. You, you are just here to give the tempo, make sure that everything follow the same direction, the same flow, the same energy. Because at some point, from my perspective, their success is your success. Absolutely. It's because they will be there. They will deliver. Not only they will grow up, but they will be able to move mountain to make things happen. That even their success at some point will be, wow, you've been able to achieve that. Yes, because my team has been able to, to achieve that. And that thing can only work if, number one, you have the right guy at the right position and you are in total harmony with them. And transparency is there. I said earlier, authenticity, that goes with the zero politic. That's really one of the things you can ask any of my team from any of my companies uh, or or the company I work in, Mm -hmm. zero politic. The only question that matters, and that's something I always say to every hire, when you do a move, for example, now at Gcash, does this thing, does this decision is good for Gcash or no? Simple question. If you don't have a simple answer, you can be sure it's not so good for Gcash. That is so amazing. Straight to the point. And one of the things also I'm seeing now in Gcash as a, a successful um, uh, rules in my management, actually, not the rule, sorry, it's not the right wording, but recipe okay. is the right mix. 
Mm. Um, I can see now we have a lot of young people. I mean, uh, the average age of the company is like, I don't know, 26 or 27. Wow. I'm like a, a veteran. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of young folks, right. but mixed with some experienced people. Yeah. So if you have the right mix, you can do magic things. And the interesting thing in that, I can use Gcash as an example. The mix is there, but the over part is also there, meaning there is no rule in terms of age. There is no rule in terms of man or woman or whatever. If you're good, if you do good, you have the job. And, you know, that's it. I mean, our chief of, 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 of head of strategy, which is also the chief of staff of, uh, of our CEO, Marta, mm-hmm. Ron Testa, I think he's 26 or 27 years old. Wow. Yeah. And you imagine chief of staff and head of strat, right? It's not a small Right. a small position and he's at the top of his game. There is no question. In my team, um, I have people like uh, Zoe or Ferdy, which is some of my one down. Right. These are people who lead like a very massive portion of the business of Gcash. We are talking about wow. billions and billions of pesos. This is people who interact daily with the BSP. This is people who represent Gcash at some commission. Wow. And in the case of Zoe, I think she's 26 or 27. Wow. That's yeah, amazing. so that doesn't mean you found these people, you know, everywhere and all of the 26 can do it or whatever. No, but what is important is if you have this guy, if they have the skills, if they are trainable, if they are the right folks, there is no reason they shouldn't get the position or the opportunity right. to do it. Correct. Put That's your best thing. people at the best opportunities. Exactly. Have. And that should be the only criteria, the best people, whether they are 40 plus or 30 plus or 26 years old, if they are the right guy, they should be there. Absolutely. All right. Now, last question before I let you go. You mentioned this at the very start of the episode, but what's the best advice you've ever received, Fred? Well, um, yeah, I told you that earlier. So it's, it's, a, it's a very funny story. So basically, uh, Canal Plus, who I was saying the French HBO, called me for an interview interview well, why not you know it's funny never had an interview <laughs> so you go to the interview and you realize that the interview is with the ceo of the company right like the guy has like twenty thousand employee or whatever like mm-hmm. what it appears that the guy is fond of music he's a crazy mm-hmm. guy about music he's going to launch the, the label record of the company so he's personally involved in that so that's why the interview is with him yeah and um when i left the interview i was like i mean the word excited is is a joke compared to the, the state. <laughs> you are percolating. There I you was go. like, my God, I was boiling. I, I, I was lost. So I called my dad <laughs> and I say, okay, you know, here's the thing and this and that, and there's the job and I like the job, but you know, I don't like to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. I made the internship. I just stop it. I don't want to do it. Daddy. What could, you know, I was like, uh, what should I do? And my dad told me, I remember it was on the, the phone, one of the first mobile phone at the time, man. There you go. Uh, she was telling me, you know what, because he's doctor, uh, he told me, you know what, a lot of the kids that were with you at school, they have a more standard or classic uh, background. So this okay. one is, you know, makes studies, he studies six years, seven years, and now he's going to do this. This okay. one is going to do that. And you know what, a lot of them, either they are not happy. I know because I'm their family doctor, so they talk to me. So either they are not happy, either sometimes they don't even have a job. Despite they have the right graduation, they don't found job. Wow. So, you know what? And I don't know if, if it's the right way to translate it in, uh, in English, but it said something like, you like it, you feel it, then do it. 
if it makes you happy and if you if you love what you're doing, it will never feel like work at all. Yeah, but there was also around, everything was there. You know, there was a kind of uh, learn by experience, man, or else you will yeah. never know. There was a lot of uh, just do it. Analysis paralyzes, you know. My dad is not a marketer or whatever, but he felt all of that when he shared me that. He said, if you are motivated, you will put all your effort. And that was also a huge proof of, of trust that I know that if you like something, you'll make it happen. So I think that was the, the best advice I received because it defined after all my uh, my personal roadmap. So yeah, that's this one. That is amazing. And again, Fred, as much as I want to ask you more, thank you very much for being on Hustle Share on this one. Amazing thanks, episode. Thanks a lot, Ron. But before I let you go, um, invite people over to try Gcash. I know you guys are giving a lot of free stuff and whatnot. How, what, what do they do if they actually want to reach out? And again, if you want to work, work with you, if you want to work with Gcash, well, how do they do that? And where do they go? Well, the best thing uh, to reach me is LinkedIn because mm-hmm. uh, that's the network I'm, I'm quite active on. And uh, they can reach me directly uh, through that. I'm pretty sure Anton who can uh, can share with you uh, the contact of our HR. There is a, there an email. Go. We have opening job all the time these days, so yeah. uh, definitely we can take a look on our job board and, and send the resume to uh, to our team. And um, yeah, we are again. Even if you are 25 years old, send it. <laughs> definitely, you can be sure that there is opportunity for you. Yeah, but you have to bring it. The, the best of the best is in this company. Again, Fred, thank you very much. But follow us whatever in whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And again, if we did say some jargon, don't worry. It's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be a part of the community and growing this show, it's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. And lastly, don't forget the messages in our chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbotph so you can suggest guests in this podcast. Again, Fred, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thanks for the invite and thanks for what you're doing. I I love it. The podcast is great. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.